Welcome to How Do You Write? I'm your host, Rachel Heron. On this podcast, I talk to authors about how they write, what their process is, and how their lives fit together. I'll keep each episode short so you can get back to writing. Well, hello, writers. Welcome to episode number 126 of How Do You Write? I'm Rachel Heron. Totally thrilled that you're here. Today, I have the great honor of speaking to Hank Philippi Ryan. I am a big fan of her work, and this is a great interview. Um, She really knows her stuff, and she knows how to tell a story. She's from the broadcasting world and understands, really, really understands pacing, how to grab fast and keep the reader. Uh, We have a great talk, and it was so exciting to talk to her. So I know that you're going to enjoy that. In a little catch-up of what's going on around here, it has been crazy busy in a way that I'm having a hard time keeping control of the reins. Um, there's so much to do in particular today. I just, I am just jam packed from morning until night. I think I have seven appointments today, uh, various, you know, podcasts, coaching, um, my class. It's, um, moving from one place to another, making sure I get to the right place at the right time and, even while I look at my calendar and get a little bit scared of it, it feels really good. Um, also, because tomorrow I only have one thing to do, and that is taxes. Um, so at some point today, I'm going to lose my mind and have to pull together all the tax stuff that I have put off for a year. This is the way I do it. It's kind of like being a writer and, and learning getting to understand your best process. Um, I know that first drafts are a bigger challenge to me than is revision, although I'm learning to say that I love first drafts. I do. I'm writing two of them right now. Um, And just this is my process with taxes is I completely blow them off all year and then I have a terrible day before they get done. Uh, I have a tax professional do my taxes. Um, She's fabulous. And I think she'll work remote and I'll just give you her information right now. It's, um, she's at done.tax, Katie, at, um, and her website is a done.tax, which is awesome. Basically I found her years ago, probably I would say more than 10 years ago. I just went to a tax preparer place because, uh, I had financial income from books and I didn't really know what to do with it. So I had her do my taxes and I fell in love with Katie. She is to taxes like we are to pens and stationery and thinking about writing. Her favorite day of the year is February 1st when tax season opens. Back in the day, I always tried to be her very first client on February 1st so that we could just geek out. And um, and normally I get a refund, so it's always been very happy. Not good. That will happen again this year. Um, I know that's not the best way to handle your money, but I like getting a little bit something back from Uncle Sam and not having to pay them. So she then um, left that practice and went and had a baby and I kept with that practice and saw somebody there a couple of years and I was like, this is not okay. I miss Katie. I miss my Katie. I miss this excitement. So I tracked her down on Facebook. I got her to do my taxes and then I got her to do uh, my friend's taxes and now she has a full-fledged business running out of her house. And I have to tell you that tax day when we do our taxes 
is one of my favorite days, even though now I can't do it in February because those darn 1099s keep dripping in all through February. They're supposed to get to you by the end of January, but they don't. So usually we go in March and my friend Sophie Littlefield and Juliet Blackwell, we always go together. It is the best. Um, we schedule three hours with Katie and while one person is in for her hour, the other two are either working or gossiping. Um, I would say it's 50-50 chance of we're doing uh, one or the other. And then at the end, the person who's getting the biggest refund has to buy lunch. And it just turns into this party. And <laughs> even though one of us, and I won't mention who, usually ends up owing quite a bit of money because um, she makes a lot of money, you know, that's a good problem. Uh, it's cheerful. It's cheerful. We have such a good time. So I recommend a tax party. In fact, I've been telling Katie she needs to do like tax parties like we do, you know, candle parties where she's in the back room doing taxes and everybody else is out drinking. I just think, I mean, I wouldn't be drinking, but everybody else could be drinking and I just think that would be so fun. So that's tomorrow. At some point, I do need to pull together all of my tax stuff because a lot of my life is right offable, including all my books, um, all my retreat travel, uh, so much gas as I tootle around the Bay Area and further farther to um, teach. So it takes some time. Uh, I'm actually kind of a person who really likes spreadsheets and math. So it's not something that I'm actually dreading. It's just something I don't like to do until the very, very, very last minute because I am that way. That's how I write. I write up to a deadline. You may empathize with that. Um, speaking of things that bring in finance and must be reported. I would like to thank new Patreon supporters. I have this really cool new app. You may be interested. Actually, I just thought of this. Honestly, um, I have this new app that if you become a new patron, I get this alert from some app. I can't remember what it's called. And it opens up this thing and I get to thank you personally. Like I send you a video saying, thanks, Tom. You're amazing. Look where I am. There's a dog on top of me. I'm on the couch. I'm reading a book. You are the reason I get to do this, lying on the couch and reading a book, which is work. Uh, so it's kind of fun. I've been doing that. So I have um, Julie Lyons is a new patron. Thanks, Julie, so, so much. Mariah, you edited your pledge up. Thank you. Thank you. I did not get the trigger to send you a video, but you know I love you. Um, and Chachana Simpson. Thanks, Chachana. I haven't recorded your video yet, uh, but I will do that as soon as I finish this. If you guys would like to look into becoming a patron, you get all of my essays, one essay a month and the full 25 plus backlist, um, which I think is the best work that I do, honestly, is my creative nonfiction. Uh, you get all of that for a dollar a month. Um, go look at the perks, patreon.com slash Rachel. What else? Um, everything's going along. I've been writing a lot. I've been writing a lot on the thriller and um, my agent actually allowed me to ping my editor. It's actually not time to hit her with a proposal for the next book. It's written into the contract when we can do that. But I do want to share this idea with her because I'd really like to know if I want to sell this to her next time, which would be great, I you know, if it worked out that way. Um, I want to know that she's not completely anti this idea because that would, I don't want to write an entire book that she would hate. So um, of course we could always sell it otherwise or self-publish it or whatever, but that's what I'm doing. So I just sent that 
scary email off. Um, and writing the chiclet has been so fun. I don't know what I'm doing with that silly book. And it is a joy. I just keep throwing like fanciful, wonderful things that I like to obsess over. I just threw tiny houses and now there's a tiny house theme, if that could be a theme. So it's just fun. I'm having so much fun with playing. So that is what's going on on my desk. I would love to hear from you what you are writing, how writing is going for you. Um, come over and join my Slack. I will put the invite URL at howdoyouwrite.net in the show notes for this um, episode. I have been inside Slack a lot more than I'm ever inside Facebook. And it's really fun to see what people are doing. So come join that if you would like. Totally free, totally fun. And now I will let you get to listening to the fabulous interview with Hank Philippi Ryan. I know you're going to enjoy it. I hope you enjoy your own writing and tell me about it if you get a second. Okay, we'll talk soon. Hey, writers. I've opened up some coaching slots. I'm not taking clients on a weekly basis right now as I'm working on my own books, but I am doing one-offs. I call them tune-ups. Tell me your plot problems and ask your character queries. Let me know what stumbling blocks you're up against. Get tips and tricks to get you back on the right track. Ask me questions about all things publishing. Together, we'll brainstorm your specific plan of action, making sure you're in the driver's seat of your book again. You'll receive a 30-minute call over Skype or FaceTime, giving you the honest encouragement you need to keep getting better. Or a polite ass-kicking, if that's what you need and ask for. Plus, you'll get an MP3 audio recording or MP4 video, your choice of our chat, so you can re-listen at your leisure. And if you want a little more help, I can also critique either 10 pages or your book's outline and talk you through my findings. Just check out rachelherron.com coach for more info. I'd love to work with you. Now on to the interview. Well, I could not be more pleased this morning to welcome to the show Hank Philippi Ryan. Hello, Hank. Hey, how are you? I am so thrilled to have you on the show. As, as it's about someone. to snow in Boston, so we'll see. <laughs> It is a it's it's really dark and gloomy in California this morning. Let me give you a little bio for the very few people who might not know who you are. I, d I doubt there are any listening. Um, Hank Philippi Ryan is an on-air investigative reporter for Boston's WHDH TV, winning 34 Emmys and dozens more journalism honors. The nationally best-selling author of 11 Mysteries, uh, Ryan's also an award winner in her second profession with five Agathas, three Anthonys, two McCavities, the Daphne, and the Mary Higgins Clark Award. Her novels are Library Journal's Best of 2014, 2015, and 2016. Her current book is the psychological thriller Trust Me, which is an Agatha nominee, which I loved, and also named a best thriller by New York Post, BookBub, Real Simple Magazine, and Crime Reads. Her 2019 book will be The Murder List, coming in August. That's quite a bio. <laughs> That's just really fun I mean, to say. Is it, it fun to hear? You know Yes, it is really fun to hear. And I'll tell you why is that, you know, we sit here and you know this so well, by ourselves, looking at the computer screen, wondering if anybody will love our books, or whether this is all worth it, or whether anyone will care, or why it all matters. And, you know, how many times do we descend into, I can't do this? Why? Whose idea was this? Why did I ever think I could possibly do this? And so to hear someone who I respect as much as I respect you, um, reading something that sort of indicates to me, you know, 
you kind of are doing this. This is kind of working. So um, just persevere. It, it's lovely to hear. Um, I don't think we remind ourselves enough yeah. of what's good about our lives. We sort of always want the next thing and the next thing and the next thing. So I think it's so valuable even to take, you know, that 30 seconds that we took with the intro. Um, and I think, yeah, okay, good. You know, look, I'm going to do my words for the day. I think it might be worth it. Oh, that's fabulous. That's so grounding to hear <laughs> too. Um, so tell us about your process. How have you managed to get all of this done? What does it look like the nitty gritty of your, of your writing day? You know, it's interesting because I'm balancing working at Channel 7 still yes. with writing still. And so I, I have to be very organized about it. One of the things that's worked so nicely about having been a – I've been a television reporter for more than 40 years. That's, and that's, so you that's learn, unbelievable. I know. It's yeah. crazy. <laughs> learn in that time, you know, you're never going to miss a deadline. You know, you're – you know, how good you are – depends on your devotion and your obsession and your compulsion and your determination and your dedication to it. Um, and in television, you know, I have my news director who's waiting for the story. Um, if I said, if I said to her, can I be on the news at like 10 after six <laughs> instead of six, would that be okay? Cause I'm not really feeling it. Um, I would be out of a job. And so as a, as an author, as a person who has to be a self starter, um, as a person who is who, who's every every day I'm writing it writing an enterprise story right I'm writing it out of my own brain and I know it has to be done and I know it has to be good and I know it's my responsibility only mine to do that and if I don't write my book more people are going to be happy than unhappy because they all have books and they you know if I get out of the way that would be great so I am determined and devoted and focused on writing. I have a certain number of words a day that I need to write. No matter how long it takes, I'm going to do that. Um, I, I, I know that at some point in the book, at the beginning, I'm, it's going to be step by step by clawing step mm -hmm. to get through. And then I know that there's the moment where I think, oh, I get this. You know, I feel this book. And I zoom through until I get to the middle where I, again, I'm sort of climbing, like, I just got to get to this now. And then there's the point where you think, oh, I know, I understand this. And then there's the bigger moment. And I, this is sort of hard to explain, but I, and I know you'll get this. There's the moment where I understand what the whole book is, what I what I meant to be writing all this time. And somebody told me once it was like dropping a drop of iodine into a glass of clear water when you get the idea. It just colors it all. You know what I mean? You think, oh, this is my book about redemption. You know, this is my book about justice. I, I get that now. So I just persevere. You know, I am I am so impatient and we're all so impatient. I just sort of want to see what happens in the end. So, but I, you know, you just do it step by step by step. And honestly, it's math. Yes. I, know, I tell myself, if I, I always say that. keep adding to the book, it inevitably, inexorably, it has to be done. And so I just keep going. And that's such a silly thing to say, just sit down and do it. And I, 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 and I think I roll my eyes when I hear myself say that. But then, but that's it. That, that is what it is. It's, it's work. It's great work. And we're lucky to be able to do it. I'm, I, I'm thrilled every day with it, um, but it's difficult, and I embrace that difficulty. Do you write first thing in the morning, or are you an afternoon <laughs> writer, or any time? Oh, my goodness. If I wrote first thing in the morning, you would see me down here in this office with my head clonked against the computer. I can't 
right in the morning. Forget about it. Um, but I think after all these years of working for the six o'clock news and the 11 o'clock news, my brain has yeah. been trying to rev up when it gets to that time of day. So I'm really good at about three in the afternoon yeah. and I'm really good at about 10 at night um, because my brain starts to go. And I think, and I do think that's what all it's all those years of having to be on the news at a certain time. I mean, I can tell you when it's five o'clock and I can tell you when it's 10 o'clock um, without even any time implements because I, my body is just, my brain is just so tuned to that. So I know when my good writing times are. So in the morning is when I do email and all the endless administrative stuff that comes with this. Um, and I don't worry about it because I think, okay, I'll get this done and then I'll write at my time to write. And I know there's a big, I know that a lot of writers say, write first, because if you write first, that means the writing is your priority. And I understand that. But I, my writing is my priority, and my priority is to do it at the time that it's going to work. So if I sit down at the computer at 7am, and I sit here and do nothing, you know, till noon, what's the point of that? And so I always think about Lee Child. Lee Child always says, nothing good happens before noon. So <laughs> I take that to heart. I love that. And it's so, and it is, it is a counterpoint to so many people who say write first thing in the morning. Yeah. So I love that you're sharing that. Are you, uh, we're going to get in the questions now, but are you more of a plotter or a pantser? You total must, pantser. you total, are a pantser. Total, I can't oh, yeah. believe total. it. Oh. Um, and that is what I, <laughs> I love oh. your face. That's so funny. Um, I, uh, I, that's what gets me to the computer every day is I can't wait to see what happens. I can't wait to see what happens. How is, how is she going to get out of this? How is he going to make a decision about that? What will happen? Who's going to come in and what, you know, what, what unbelievable thing that I have never thought of will occur. Um, and it happens. You can't, I, I don't knock on wood that I'm saying this to you, but I don't worry about it. I just think I'll just, I'll just sit down and I'll see what happens. And then at some point, Inevitably, the story does come together. And at some point, I'll start um, just on a yellow pad by my desk, start writing, and then this, and then this, and then this, and then this. But that rarely happens until about three-fifths of the way through when I begin to see what the journey is. But at the beginning, I'm just sort of um, filling it up with things, and then I see what things I'll use that are going to braid together to be the to tie up all the loose ends in the end. And then I may go back and take out some things that were sort of didn't go anywhere. Right. But I don't know what's going to, I don't know what's going to matter until it matters. And so I just leave it there knowing, you know, and I have a little list of loose ends. It'll say, you know, who was on the phone? Who was the text from? Where did she go? What happened then? Why did the lights go out? Um, what a good idea. That's so, that's such and a good idea. And then if I don't, I mean, my classic one is whose baby is it? <laughs> <laughs> and I think, and I thought, whoa, if I don't know that now, that's going to be kind of a problem. And then it turned out and it bothered me the whole time. And when I realized it, I just thought, oh boy, yes, that's what it was. So the answers to your plot problems are in, are in my case at least, are what I've already ri already written. It's just a question of when do I recognize them? And that's very exciting to me. I have it used found to be terrifying, but now it's exciting. I'm still terrified. I've found the same thing, <laughs> but I'm still terrified. I'm I'm terrified every day. Someday I'm going to be able to let that go. <laughs> well, you know, we don't want to let it go totally. 
Because then, you know, because part of that terror is reigning in mm. reality. I mean, you mm-hmm. can feel when your brain begins to take a little tangent and you say it. I say, oh, Hank, no, 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 that's not going to work. That's just not going to work. And if your brain's saying that's not going to work, it, it probably isn't going to work. But, but you know, there, you have a delete button. You just take it out or move it or save it. Um, my first book that I ever wrote, Primetime, the first draft of it was 723 pages. I had to delete 400 pages, 400 pages. And um, it was the best experience I've ever had. It showed me how I repeat and what my crutch words are and how I say things over and over and over and over and over when really just you get it. You know, you just tell the reader is smart. You know, readers get it. Just tell them once. Like I just said that four times. It's exactly what I used to do. <laughs> You are delightful. Yeah. What What is the biggest challenge you have when it comes to writing? You know, my biggest challenge is also, I think, one of my skills. And I know that sounds sort of funny to say is that I uh, actively am trying to be better every day. I'm trying to every moment that I every word, every sentence, every scene, I'm trying to make that be compelling and riveting you know i want people to miss their stop on the subway because they can't put this book down and i think how how am i going to do that so my challenge is sort of an interesting balance between really focusing on craft and on the other hand completely letting go and not worrying about making it be too perfect and i and that's a, that's an interesting thing because you want your brain to go you want to let your imagination go you want to be able to feel the story and sometimes i mean you know this as a writer sometimes things happen in your book that you don't plan i mean every day for me so you want to embrace that but on the other hand and you want to be a little voicey and a little edgy and a, allow your personality to come through but in, not in a stupid way. I know I don't need to, you know, but so now I'm babbling, but so in, I'm trying to, I'm trying so hard to be good at the same time. I'm trying so hard not to try. Does that, I mean, it, makes, you know? it makes perfect sense. At what, at what, sense what, sweetheart, we're in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it, does that mean that you do write kind of a loose first draft? And yes. then, yeah, my goal yeah. with the first draft, it's not that it's loose, um, although it is, and I always wind up cutting $20,000, 20,000 words. I, I always wind up cutting 20,000 words when I'm finished. So I write way too long and I take it out. I take it all out. Um, so, but my goal with my first draft is just to be finished. I, I have a, I have a yellow sticky, um, on my computer that says, advance the story, advance the story, advance the story, because you can get all caught up in what if this, and what if this, and what if this, and what if this, and I just say, pick one and go because you can fix it later. But if I don't get my words done for the day, the book is not going to be finished. And there are people in New York who are relying on it to be done at the time that it's supposed to be done. So I, I need to be done. And I know that the editing process is when the book is really going to shine. That's when I'm going to make it work. That's when it's going to turn into a good book. Editing is the ball game. It's the complete ball game. And so I need to get that first draft done, you know, as I'm sometimes I'm typing and I'm going, this is terrible. You know, <laughs> you're never going to get away with this. And I won't because I'll take it out later. I recognize it, but I just need to get on. I just need to get on. I love that. So when I'm editing at the end, when I'm editing, um, when people say, Oh, kill your darlings. I'm like, 
yeah, kill them. I, they're not darling to me at all. If they're ruining the pacing and ruining the timing and getting in the way of the story, you know, when I'm trying to be cute or when I'm trying to be writerly or, you know, when I'm too much description or too much, you know, background or too much backstory or too much internal thought, you know, no, 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 no. It all goes. And I, there's the moment where when you take that stuff out, that extraneous, unnecessary stuff, and you take it out and you put together what was before it and after it and you see the book you meant to write, you know, you, you, it's all there. You just have to carve out the parts that matter. And, and that's very exciting to me. That's one of my favorite parts of writing. The next question is, what's your biggest joy in writing? Is that it? Oh, Seeing, oh yeah, that's see, it. Okay, oh. yeah, I could, I could hear that in your voice. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's that, you know, when I, I gasp sometimes at it, at how, you know, if I have paragraph A and B and C, and I take out paragraph B, and I see how A and C go, go together, um, and I'm shocked. I think, I wrote that? That's pretty good. You know, and those moments of, rare but joyful moments of well that this is a good story you know that was pretty smart and it, you know it's ephemeral you know in the next moment you're like i stink you know <laughs> I, I don't even know why i did this but i live you know if i think if i have if i have one good idea a day one isn't that pretty great and and you think well i can have one good idea a day but i'm not going to have it if I'm not sitting at my computer um, writing, I know a lot of people, I mean, I think about my books all the time. They're always in my head. I'm walking down the street thinking about it, but I rarely, except for in the shower, when I really do come up with good ideas, I rarely come up with the, my brilliant ideas. I use the term loosely when I, if I'm not sitting at the computer. Me too. Really? Yeah. The muse, I've always said my muse is my work. I cannot. That's the muse crazy. does not come until my fingers are moving and I never see oh. her coming and she hits me in the back of the head and there it is. But it wouldn't come to me if I was doing anything else, except maybe a bath sometimes in the bath. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't yeah. it? Sometimes yeah. that's, that water, that water element yeah. is, is really interesting, but I think it might be the muse's way of getting you to sit down at that computer. Exactly. You know, there's the promise that she'll come. That's the only way I can, I can lure her in. Yeah. So <laughs> I always like to ask a question about, um, can you share a craft tip with us? And I usually leave it open, but because I love your books in particular and study them for my own work. Um, and we we're talking about this a little bit at the beginning uh, um, because of your tight pacing. Can you share a craft tip of any sort about how to pace a thriller? I mentioned that I come from the women's fiction world and my, and I'm kind of languorous about getting to the, <laughs> to, to the main, to the, to the meat of the action. How do you do that? Well, it, you know, I, I have learned well, a couple of things. One is, after having written for television for all these years, I have a very short amount of time to, you know, my stories for television are two and a half minutes or three minutes. Very, I mean, I'm an investigative reporter. So this is a lot of complicated information mm -hmm. that I need to really distill, take only the most important, compelling, riveting, enlightening, educational parts and make that into a, a, a story because that's what TV is, a story with the beginning, middle and end so you won't turn the channel. Your career has yeah. been and was training you for this. Yeah. So I, I, I just need to become 100%. an investigative reporter. And so, exactly. And, <laughs> and, and, don't, don't do it. No, no. It's much run too away, hard. Run away. Run away. Run <laughs> away. 
Um, but that did teach me to say, do I need this part? Do I need this part? What, what about this? The other thing that taught me about it um, in a hilarious other way, my husband, when I, when I first started writing, when I first had the good idea for a book, which was when I was 55 is when I started writing, which is like almost 15 years ago, which is craziness. Um, I was writing and I was thinking, oh, I'm such a natural. This is so great. And every day I would take my five pages that I wrote and take them to my husband and he would read them. And he, I would hear laughter because my first book, Primetime, and the other Charlie McNally books were a little bit lighter sensibility. Yep. So after about 10 days, um, I'm hiding around the corner waiting for my laughter because I'm just, you know, all of us are so needy. And I didn't hear anything. There was not a sound. There was no reaction whatsoever. So I skulk into the dining room. And I say, oh, you know, I'm terrible, right? You know, I'm terrible. I shouldn't be doing this. And Jonathan says, no, honey, you know, you're you're a good writer. And this is going to be a good book. But um, is something going to happen soon? <laughs> <laughs> so I just, you know, la-di-da, la-di-da. That's <laughs> me. Yeah, leading into, you know, is something going to happen? And so I, I took that to heart so much. I look at every line, you know, every word, every, and certainly every sentence and every paragraph and every scene. Do I need this? What work is it doing? Have I already said this? You know, sometimes you can, in a pants, you know, in writing like I do, I realize that what I've done is sort of written my brain thinking about what might happen. And I often, if I just take, my own thoughts out I, I it's left with the decision and i have learned and this is such an important thing um i take out if you take out all the qualifiers like kind of sort of might be could be and make it be is you know like it's kind of rainy outside why not just have it be raining it's raining and why not have it be like really hard you know you can say it better but the worst rainstorm there's ever been, a torrential downpour, a yeah. sudden torrential, wouldn't say sudden, but a sudden torrential downpour is better than kind of raining. Or she kind of thought this, or she sort of thought that. I go through in my edits, in my editing process, one of my pa editing passes is to take out the floppy, tentative qualifiers. Mm. So you just have it is, it is this, it, mm -hmm. is, it is this. And, that makes everything so strong, and you, then you then you begin to realize what you don't need. Does that make any sense to you? It, it makes you, perfect sense. Yeah. And once you start doing that, once you start uh, being confident, if your characters are being confident, then your story is being confident. Then you, as a writer, are being confident because you're not worrying. Oh, I wonder if this is the right thing. It is because it is the story that you're telling, and it makes the whole thing strong and and move fast. I also. One of the things about pacing is I make I make sure that my main characters are, are leading the action. That things that she's she's the advancing the story, not something is happening to him or something is happening to her that then makes the story go ahead. Um, I what is the least amount that I can tell you that will make the story be compelling, so that you have to turn the pages real fast to find out what happens next because something is always, I mean, yes, of course you need those little breathing rooms and you know, this, you need the seagull to fly over or the wind to go through the trees, but like for one line, you get that. 
you know, as a writer, you don't need the purple bruise clouds right. of sunset or and the sun. <laughs> you know, you don't you don't really set the scene fast, get out, do it, and then have the setting. This is my final thing. Instead of talking about setting as setting, have the setting be part of the action. And so then you don't need all those setting paragraphs. You know, then how she so, bro- how so? I'm sorry. How so? Can you Well, she brushed that? she brushed the pine tree. She you know, she she brushed the prickly leaves out of out of her way. Now she doesn't have to be in a stand of pine trees. Right. You know, there's she, right. she uses she uses the setting She's or interacting with it. Yes, yeah. interacting with the setting. Exactly. So the you know, because it's snowing, she has to wear a coat and she can't see and her glasses fog up and there's the headlights of her car are dim. All the things that the setting all the situations that the setting creates, which are obstacles, um, use that instead of describing that it's a snowstorm. I feel like that's a million dollar tip right there. I, I I really do. I, I I think I I try to do that organically, but I've never heard it said so succinctly. Huh. And it, you're doing so much with that. You're, oh, so much use of that. I just I just heard my listeners' brains explode <laughs> in excitement with with oh, that nice. particular tip. Okay. Well, what what is the best book you read recently that you would recommend? Oh my gosh, uh, the best book I read recently that I would recommend. Um, I'm reading Red Notice, which is a, a nonfiction book by Bill Broder, which is a, about uh, the Russian oligarchs. Um, I read um, a, a book called A Talent for Murder. Do you know this book by Andrew Wilson? No, but it's a great um, title. It's about um, where Agatha, it's fictional, but it's about where Agatha Christie was during those two weeks that she was missing. I and have heard everybody's talking about this book. Is it good? Yes, it's, it's, you know, for people like us who know about Agatha Christie yes. and know how you write a mystery and, you know, know how you could take real events from real life and make them because like, that's what trust me is, is real events from real life mm-hmm. made into fiction. Um, he, he, he really, he really does that. Um, in a in a fantastic way. I just read yesterday or so Annie Ward's Beautiful Bad, which is about um, which is a, a thriller set in Bulgaria. Ooh. Which is I know it sounds exotic and, and but it's really in that Bulgaria and in the United States. Um, but it's exciting and and very different. So you know, this isn't that the hardest question. When I first of all, I don't want to Always. say I have so many wonderful books that I'm reading, and my house is surrounded by them so to pick out certain ones um so and i did and i finally read confessions of a comma queen uh, about the woman who was the um yes the grammar uh, editor for the new yorker and that's a um, brilliant 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 book so is that the, that's the real name of it right so yes. um that that kind of those kinds oh and you know what else radium girls by um kate what's your last name Moore about the women who painted the radium dials on the, on the the instruments and watches in the war and how sick they got. It was the devastatingly sick, devastatingly sad book. And it's, um, 
those brave women were what started uh, occupational health and safety laws in the United States. And it's devastating. So, so many good books, you know, it's just, uh, this, this is, is a, why we're all such a community. This is a purely selfish question that I always ask because then I write them all down and I put them on my TBR <laughs> pile lately. Okay. So now let's bring it back to you. Can you please tell our listeners where you can be found? Um, maybe a little bit about the upcoming, um, the murder list. I'm, I'm assuming that's available for pre-sale now. You bet it is. Oh, yeah, yes, it yeah. is available. Let's, let's talk about it. Well, I'm very thrilled about Trust Me. Trust Me is I loved um, it. one obsessed journalist, one troubled mom, facing off in a high-stakes cat and mouse game to prove their truth about a terrible crime. But which one is the cat? And which one is the mouse? It's such a good log line. It's so uh, good. <laughs> and did you see the cover? Okay, I'm going to show you this. Yes, and I know please, that, the, that the radio listeners won't see it, but I'm holding up the cover of Trust Me. And you can see it now. And it um, is red stripes with Trust Me on the front. But if you turn it this way, do you see what it really says? L-I-A-R. No. I see it perfectly, <laughs> and I never would have noticed that. No, it says liar underneath. Genius. Sideways, and now you can now you can't. Unsee I can't it. unsee it now. <laughs> and and I always say, you know, that's just like the truth, and that's what the book is about. When once you see the truth, you can't unsee it. Um, and I'm very proud of this. It was just nominated for the Agatha Award, so I'm thrilled about that. And now available in beautiful. Ooh. trade paperback and they changed the cover a little bit which I a lot actually which I love because sort of the silence of these empty swings yeah. show you know where where did the children yeah. go I would children I would pick it up in softback like that yeah. Yeah. thank you isn't it beautiful please do um, <laughs> the murder list I'm so excited about comes out in August um when does your book come out are we are we in August up? I want to say it's I want to say it's the third week in August I think mine too. We should go on tour together. Oh, let's do it. Um, <laughs> you're Mac, you're Macmillan, right? I'm Macmillan. Yeah, I'm Penguin. mine is called Stolen Things. Stolen Things. All right, look for that, all you listeners. Anyway, the murder list um, comes out in the in mid August. It's it's another psychological standalone, like Trust Me. Stars a, a young law student named Rachel North. She's savvy and smart and determined and very reliable, and she will tell you the truth. She will tell you that she's happily married to a defense attorney, a lion of the Boston defense bar. She has a great summer internship with a very, very smart district attorney, which means that her career as a lawyer is set. She's a rising star. Um, the problem is Rachel is very wrong. And it's what happens when the battle for justice becomes a battle for survival. Yeah. <laughs> so good. Do you, do you come up with log lines before you're writing the book or is this something that is finalized it afterwards? It depends. You know, when I wrote The Other Woman, the first Jane Ryland book, I saw um, someone was quoted in a magazine article about marital infidelity. And someone was quoted as saying, you can choose your sin, but you cannot choose your consequences. And I thought, okay, yeah. <laughs> that's my book. And that's on the cover of The Other Woman. So sometimes I think of them before and sometimes they just evolve. It depends, but you know when, you know, it, it's so important to find a good log line so that you want somebody to, when they hear about your book, you, you want somebody to say, ooh, I can't wait to read that. And the minute someone says, ooh, I can't wait to read that, and you know that face, you've seen that face, yes. um, then you know you've got it. Yes. Oh, perfect. It has been such 
a delight and a thrill and an honor to talk to you today. Thank you. Oh my so pleasure. You were much. asking. I have hit my find me on Facebook. Oh yes, find me on Instagram. Find me on Facebook. Find me on Instagram. HankPhilippiRyan.com cleverly um, is my is my website. Um, I and if you click on contact on my website, it comes right to me. So there's no middle person in between that. So I'd love to hear from everyone. And if you have any writing questions, you know, come on, ask me. Love to love to chat with you. That's so generous. Thank you, Hank. Oh my gosh, you've absolutely made my day and it's earlier here in California. So now I can go into my day and just be riding on the waves of talking to you. Thank you for sharing your time and your expertise. It's been a delight. For me too. Thank you. Thanks so much for joining me on this episode of How Do You Write? You can reach me on Twitter, Rachel Heron, or at my website, rachelheron.com. You can also support me on Patreon and get essays on living your creative life for as little as a buck an essay at patreon.com slash Rachel, spelled R-A-C-H-A-E-L. And do sign up for my free weekly newsletter of encouragement to writers at rachelheron.com slash write. Now go to your desk and create your own process. Get to writing, my friends.